0: But this one's good. You know, you know why it's good? Because you're getting into the privacy of healthcare. And, there, and I have an article up on my website right now where University of Chicago and Google are in the middle of this fight because they have, there's the biggest, uh, Campus Reform is the one that published this article and there's a big lawsuit because they shared health information. It's called the biggest health data heist in US history when they didn't have the right to share people's health information. And this is what you're talking about right now. Except you're talking about dogs' health information. But when it comes to serious stuff,
1: right. where's so we the line have uh, we have this law called HIPAA that prevents us from you know sharing information between, you know, people that don't have your permission to your healthcare data. Right? So HIPAA uh, is a very important law. it, it does indeed serve a very important purpose. But we do, we do need to look at, you know, investigate whether everything in HIPAA was designed for the world we're now living in. And, uh, and I'll give you a, exactly. a couple examples.
0: that's the yeah. issue. Yep. so
1: th- there's probably high time that we did a reevaluation, that we reexamine HIPAA and try to say, okay, we live in this data-driven world where there's unimaginable opportunity to unlock, you know, all kinds of information cool that will stuff. save lives. If we can start yeah, to cool look stuff. at unsiloing some of this data, so we have a silo of data at your, your your physician's office, and then you go to the hospital, and we have another silo of data, and then you have an X-ray done, and we have another silo of data. Well, we need to be able to put all of Sarah's data together. And oh, by the way, we also have some benefit to saying. Wouldn't it be nice if we could look at a range of X-rays, lots and lots and lots of X-rays from lots of different people to determine whether there is are things in those X-rays that we could be teaching a machine to recognize? And the answer is yes, absolutely.
0: At, a, at like a meta, at like a metadata level, because Bill Binney, who's like the NSA guru, who is a whistleblower kind of with the Snowden, they made a movie on him and things, he really talks about metadata with we yeah. can they NSA can do what they want but they got to look at it at the metadata level so you're not encroaching on people's privacy we can do that all day long in the healthcare and save lives at the metadata yeah. level
1: so when we strip out personally identifiable information and we just yep. focus on one layer of that data say x-rays and you know uh, machine learning allows us to do uh, so in in learning we have the concept of supervised learning without getting a lot into the algorithm and the math the idea of supervised learning is basically you can remediate the program and say this is a broken bone this is a you know an example of an x-ray that shows uh, you know a lung disease or uh, this is an x-ray of something that shows uh, uh, you know this is a, a metal fragment um, and you can help that machine learn but over time you can eventually get to the point where the machine itself can take over, and instead of supervised learning, we can move into unsupervised learning, where the machine itself learns to recognize x-rays and read x-rays <clears throat> better than a human being. Now, you might ask, are we, are we really talking about a machine that can read an x-ray better than a human being? And the answer is absolutely yes, because the machine is going to be able to digest it billions with a B, X-rays over time and learn from a much bigger set of data than a human being who might only encounter 100,000 X-rays in a career. So, you know, when you encounter billions of examples and you can learn and remediate and have supervised learning and eventually unsupervised learning, directing a machine learning tool to do, you know, image recognition on X-rays... You're looking at a tremendous benefit. I'm not trying to put uh, radiologists out of work. I'm just saying that we are at a point where we could actually benefit by having a machine able to read an X-ray and be able to read it more accurately than a human technician. Now, if I had a choice and I was given the opportunity to have an X-ray taken and read by a human being and it would take three days to get the results back or read by a machine that I knew scored better than a human technician and that I could get the results back in 30 seconds. Which would I choose? And I think the vast majority of us, if that was the question and we framed it that narrowly, they would say, well, sh- I want, the, I want the results right away, and I want the most accurate results possible. I want the result that's going to tell me, do I have tuberculosis? Do I have a broken leg? Do I have a, a tumor that can be detected in an X-ray? You know, I'm probably well outside of my pay grade here trying to you know read X-rays for us. But at the end of the day, I think most of us would instinctively choose accuracy and speed, And if that's the choice, okay, great. Backing up a step, that's not the choice we all face with data and privacy. Um, We're often faced with the question, do we want our healthcare data shared broadly? And many of us at that point, if that's the question, we are repelled by that idea. We, We pull back and we say, no, I don't want everybody to know about my tuberculosis or whatever.
0: I am proud to share with you Tetrogen, which helps you transition to a healthier, happier, and thinner you without cravings or side effects. Our metabolic hormones are the underlying problem that doom every diet and exercise program to fail. They control our metabolism, cravings, how much we eat to feel satiated, blood sugar levels, and even our energy levels. Tetrogen is formulated with four clinically proven, patented ingredients that help rebalance your metabolic hormones in roughly 15 to 20 days, depending on the amount of weight you wanna lose. Once your metabolic hormones are rebalanced, you'll be on the path of long-term, sustainable weight loss because Tetrogen is the first in the world which is scientifically formulated with four clinically proven and patented active ingredients to help you reach your targeted weight in two distinct phases. Phase one, we balance your metabolic hormones, and phase two, accelerate fat loss. The best part is that tetradin comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what do you have to lose besides weight? Learn more with the link below. But it gets back to, you know, I'm talking about solutions here, and you're exactly right, but... We do have solutions and people won't look at that. Not people, I think you know the listeners here and, and, and you're probably people reading the book and people you talk to would be receptive to some of these things like what Bill Binney, we could learn off some of these people. When he's talking about metadata and you're saying the same thing, you strip out the personal information, you strip it all out. They don't know that, I don't wanna say, Sam, has an STD, I mean, these are the kinds of things people don't wanna share, right? They don't wanna share that they have an STD. But you strip out the personal information and and then it doesn't, it shouldn't matter because those people are 100% protected. The fear though, is what we see going on in China. What we see here of nefarious activities in our country where if we let that go, we can't control it. We don't trust all the people in charge. So how do we get past this? Well, we don't trust you in the first place. So if we share your our information, how do we know that you're going to take out, you know, do what you should be doing legally? Because NSA they didn't do it.
1: Well, um, I'll give you another kind of uh, without answering. You know what I'm saying. I I, without answering your question, I'll give you one more example of something that should cause us all to pause when we think about healthcare. So imagine that the same person that sells the diagnostic machine also sells the cure. And now imagine the chicanery of a diagnostic piece of equipment providing solutions uh, that necessarily the same people sell. So now you've got a conflict of interest, right? You've created an opportunity for a business that is doing diagnostics across, and particularly using algorithms, to do diagnostics that lead to a profit motive to sell more uh, solutions. And, the, and you know, so we diagnose it over here, and then we turn around and we sell you the cure over here. Now here's where it gets scary. What if the algorithms are attached? What if the algorithm to sell more cures suddenly is nested with the algorithm to do the disease detection? If we get to the point where there's a 50-50 judgment call, guess who wins that call every time? The the solution is going to, you know, sell you the cure because that algorithm is communicating with
0: The sad part is if they don't sell you the cure, they sell you the band-aids first.
1: <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Now that I've kind of opened that can of worms, I'll give you a similar problem from the finance world. So imagine in the finance world that we have algorithms that read the news and they trade stock on rumors and trends that they see in the news. Now ask yourself, is it possible that the same algorithm that is reading the news is connected to an algorithm that's managing trading? So now you've got an algorithm that reads the news and an algorithm that manages trading. And guess what? That's already happening. Oh
0: yeah, they would do that hard. Now,
1: go (laughs) one step beyond that and say, there's also a company out there that is writing the news using algorithms. There's actually a few of them. So using natural language processing, uh, famous professor at at,
0: uh, at,
1: at Northwestern uh, at the Kellogg School, has created a product that actually writes news copy. It actually translates box scores from baseball games. It translates stock quotes. I mean there's only so many things that you can say happen. So the stock went up, the stock went down. The baseball game ended in a in a you know seven to two for the home team. Um, you know fortunately, there's a finite range of things that can be said about a baseball game. Baseball games don't end in academy awards baseball games don't end with touchdowns they end you know after 9 innings with a specific score i mean you know there's variables here but y- you get the idea well there's you can finite, say whether
0: somebody played well yeah, or not there's
1: a finite range <laughs> okay. of things that you can put into a news story about a baseball game particularly a summary that was written by a machine sure. so now you've got a machine that writes news a machine that reads the news and a machine that trades stock based on the news. And what if all all three of those algorithms are owned by the same person? The opportunity to manipulate the market by writing news in a way that triggers the news reading algorithm to trigger stock trades by the the stock trading algorithm.
0: Exactly. You can completely manipulate the market.
1: So here's, you know.
0: Especially if you control the media.
1: And, and like you if, have
0: a bigger control of it. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: So, so think about, you know, what did what did Jeff Bezos run out and do? Jeff Bezos ran out and used his millions to buy the Washington Post. Now, scratch your head and say why? Why did he do that? And I will give you my answer to that. Is you know, some people simply say, oh, he wanted to have more influence in Washington D.C. Uh, granted, that's actually probably true, but I will say. The answer probably is a little deeper than that, and that is that Jeff Bezos has an interest in managing the what we think of as the, the sales funnel or the marketing funnel from top to bottom. The top of the marketing funnel is the media, where you are introduced to products and services. You are persuaded by advertising at the top of the funnel, and at the bottom of the funnel is the cash register, the e-commerce, where you actually buy things, and in the world of marketing, we traditionally call it the attribution problem, as in, to what ad do I attribute this purchase? You know, I ran a radio campaign, I ran a TV campaign, you know, the famous quote from John Wanamaker, you know, I, I half of my money, you know, uh, spent on advertising, you know, works, I just don't know which half. And the reality is, when we're spending lots of money on advertising, it's very difficult to track which ad triggered the purchase. At the end, what Amazon has is they have the complete attribution model built algorithmically because they can see the ad and they can see the, the the spend because they are the cash register. They have a position in the market that Facebook doesn't have. They have a position in the market that Google doesn't have. They're actually attached to the transaction data. Although Google
0: a kind of bit. has that through YouTube, uh, and a through, bit. yeah. But yeah, that, you 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 have a. That's why I wanted to have this conversation because you're educating people on the big picture of how and why this happens, and without this understanding, you can't make good decisions on what to right. do about
1: it. So here we are, you know, at a at a point in time where Facebook is debating. We're debating as a society whether we want Facebook to have a currency, right? Um, I, I, this is maybe inappropriate, but they said it in Congress yesterday. So uh, a congressman uh, said, you know, this, is, this isn't this is Bitcoin, this is shitcoin. And, you know, pardon me if I'm not allowed to say that on your show, but that was a U.S. congressperson saying that. And, you know, there's a real fear that what we're doing by giving Facebook this opportunity is we're opening up a Pandora's box of nefarious uh, you know, uh, manipulative things that they could do with this. So I'll give you a couple that, you know, are worth thinking about. So number one, when we create a blockchain, we're creating a, a distributed ledger that is permanent. It's a permanent record. So imagine if you had a record of where every dollar bill in circulation has ever been since it was born, right? And you uploaded all that data to the cloud, and you gave people the opportunity to mine that data for insights. Well, what Jeff Bezos has over at Amazon is he has a complete transaction record dating back from the moment you went on the site. The recommendation engine said people who bought this also bought this all the way through to you going to the cash register and buying, right? So he can see the attribution model. Facebook has to partner with third parties to start to get, And guess at the attribution. So Facebook looks at it and says, if I can't own the cash register, the next best thing would be owning the cash. If I can't own the cash register, I want to own the cash. And then they came along and they said, but wait, we know you as a consumer are intimidated by the idea of merging your social media with your wallet. So we're going to create this, this barrier. We're going to actually create a subsidiary called Calibra. Libra is the currency. Calibra is the wallet. And Calibra will be a subsidiary that doesn't share the personally identifiable information back with Facebook. We're going to own oh, it. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and we're going to trust you on that because you've proven to be trust. so trustworthy that's my point
1: me. right and so so that's where <laughs> that's where we are and that's where congress is looking at this going okay you know a pretty bipartisan exchange by the way republicans democrats everybody's looking at facebook and going wait a minute you want us to just trust you and where it gets where it gets more <laughs> exactly. you know where it gets humorous <laughs> is think about facebook's position in all of this they want to create a currency and that currency would be beyond our traditional central bank fiat currency. Yes, it would be based on a basket of goods that would contain, you know, fiat currencies like Euros and dollars, but it would be outside of the banking structure. Is Facebook a bank? Are they buying for a bank charter? No. They'd be a transnational currency that operates outside the existing banking and credit structures. And oh by the way, what about consumer protections? Can you sell Sarah something more cheaply than you can sell Bill? using this made up currency that you invented are there rules you know do you know does one protected class get to buy things more cheaply can we offer discounts can we tax it can we penalize countries and currencies can we trade libras you know more cheaply for countries that we like and can we penalize countries we don't like and ultimately I think for you and I having this conversation, the questions we need to be asking is do we want those uh, decisions being made by a private corporation? Or is that the kind of thing that we as a democracy want in open, you know, transparency, visual to everyone, some say in how those types of decisions get made? And I think most of us are on the side of, we want some transparency in how finances get regulated. We want some transparency, and we want to say, as a society, as a democracy, in the way our banking system works and what the regulations are. And we don't want it in the hands of a private corporation or a group of private corporations. Uh, when we go back to Calibra, what, you know the name Calibra, which is their wallet. Sounds a little bit like Calibrate to me, to my ear. And when I think of Calibrate, I think of the ability to measure and monitor and attach meaning to these financial transactions and attach them back to what I'm doing as an individual to calibrate my advertising, to calibrate my marketing. Well, I don't know if that was their intention, but that's kind of where I came away from it when I heard the name and I started thinking, that's where this gets really dangerous, is where a transnational currency system paired up with my personal behaviors starts to have control over my finances.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's dive into, before we don't have that much time left, but let's talk about where we actually have a chip. You know, Elon Musk came out and said just today that, or yesterday, that uh, a chip is going to replace your cell phone and you're just going to be mentally connected you know, into the network. Now, uh, you know, how far do we connect our bodies into this without losing control of our bodies? I mean, we have a lot of work to do as a society to figure this stuff yeah. out.
1: So um, are you willing to trade the convenience of carrying a wallet for having a chip implanted in your forearm? People are already doing that. Faces with thoughts, right sounds like science fiction, but in fact, uh, you know there was a, a, a transplant of an arm recently where the fellow that you know was receiving these kind of bionic arms was actually able to control them using his brain that's a wonderful advancement, but I think it also says that there is this interface there is this nexus where you know the electricity of our body can be translated into data that a computer can actually interpret and Move things in the real world. So when we start to, you know, think about this world where wearable technology is interfacing with us, uh, there are some scary things. I will say that, you know, this device that we all carry around is already a, a sort of appendage of our body. It's the digital appendage. And what's interesting about it is it has a username. Most of us don't know the name of our device. We carry it around all the time. It has a name. You know, you might name your device and call it you know, Judy or Frank or Joe, but it has a username. It has an ID number. And that ID number is really all marketers need to know about you. I don't actually need to know your name if I know where your phone is and where it's been and what it's been doing. I know more about you from your user ID of your phone than I actually do by knowing your name. Your name is meaningless to me. It's only a an opportunity to pair data across silos. But knowing what goes on on this device, user one, two, three, four, five, tells me more about you. And so when you think about it in those terms, that little chip, it doesn't need to know your name. It just needs to know all of your behaviors to start to have the ability to tell other machines how to manipulate you and how to change you. And as we start talking to these machines and training them to influence, influence us and persuade us, we have to constantly be aware of when they're talking to us, whose voice is it that's, that's you know talking back? When we ask questions, who's answering us? Is it a politician? Is it a, a government? Is it a, a, a corporation? Is it an institution? We have to start to be aware that the voices that are increasingly in our lives are influence, influencing us for reasons that we aren't necessarily always attuned to. And that's why it's this invisible brand that's already operating in our lives that I want people to start to see. I want them to see this invisible thing.
0: Well, this is incredible. What a great conversation of trying to educate people on this stuff, because we have a lot of work to do. I mean, this is it has so many great opportunities, but it can get pretty scary here if we don't, you know, start to address some of this stuff. Do you well, see things being addressed and where should people go? I mean, what what should people do to educate themselves and then make a difference on <laughs> here, not to get scared, yeah. but to do smart? Yeah. Here,
1: here's the gratuitous sales pitch. Uh, I, would, I would be uh, a fool not to say at that point, start by reading my book. Um, It's a great resource to start to give people a deeper understanding of how the technology works, but also how it's being applied in specific industries. The first half of the book is called Emergence, and I talk about how these things got to where they are today, and, and where we are and what's happening. The second half of the book is called Synthesis, in which I look at different segments of the economy, finance, healthcare, education, and I say all of these aspects of our society are being impacted by this technology today and they're going to be increasingly impacted in the future. Today we're asking questions like, you know, directions to the nearest Thai restaurant, but soon we're gonna be asking questions like, what kind of car should I buy? Who should I date? What should I study in college?
0: And the fact that you're asked saying this is it knows more about us than we know about ourselves and i realized that when i got this they read my frequency of my voice over 30 seconds I, I, floored me sherry edwards was on my show and she listened to my voice for about 30 seconds put it in her thing and and pumped it out and it was an it was like the myers Brig isdn i'm an isdn it came out and it was within 30 seconds a minute and a half later i had this thing that was accurate she even talked about what my favorite color was <laughs> i was just all from my voice over after 30 seconds and other people are who did it too recently were just floored that it how fast it came out and a lot of people don't even know that about themselves it's amazing
1: and, and the other thing is the record that we're creating is permanent this is you know what we're talking to you know what we're saying when we talk to these machines we will forget in two days this whole conversation that you and i are having if i have to reconstruct it in in a few hours and tell my kids what i talked about i'd be a mess the machine can remember it forever and so this conversation that we're having my fragile memory will lose it it'll it'll dissolve in my fragile memory but the computer is going to remember this conversation forever that should also cause us some pause yeah they know how
0: we how we've learned over time it and there's so much in this it is marked and you're you don't shy away from either side right i mean you talk about the good and the ugly and you're not shying away from it because the point is trying to understand right. if you shy away from either side you're not going to understand it
1: right i conclude well, excellent okay i conclude the book Go with ahead. A chapter called the god algorithm and in that chapter i look at religion and our religious impulse as another area of vulnerability. Most of us have some desire to connect, some desire to be connected with each other and with the world around us. The word religion has as its root, the same root as ligament. Ligaments connect our bodies and religion connects our, our lives. And this desire to be connected, I think is a vulnerability. I think That as artificial intelligence becomes more powerful, and as we become more empathetically connected with our machines, that we may in fact start to develop a religious relationship with them. That we might start to see this technology that we are empathetically connecting with as a super being that has some supreme power over us and our lives. Oh God, I hope not. That's I, I,
0: awful. That you just came up with the most awful scenario. I mean, hope to God people can reconnect with human beings. That's the okay. whole point of it. But us being connected to an artificially created machine world is is absolutely an awful. Um, you just gave me an awful image in my head. Nope. So that's what we want to make sure we understand right. and we, I don't want yeah. your
1: religious impulse. I, want, I don't want your innate humanity to be hacked. And to protect people, to start to, you know, expose that vulnerability and to educate people is something that I felt was deeply important. And, and this is stuff that, you know, if that sounds crazy, talk to me in 10 years. Come back and say, okay, when you first said that, I thought you were a nut. That was the nuttiest, silliest thing I've ever heard of. You jumped the shark right there. I, You you had me right up until that thing about, you know, religion, and then you lost it. Talk to me in 10 years and see whether you still feel that way.
0: You know, I've been saying that lately to people. Talk to me in 10, come back to me later after you think about it for a while, <laughs> because that's exactly right. You're going to comp- be compared to a nut job and but maybe not. I've had a lot of people come back to me already, people around me, and that's already happened. And it's just going to happen more and more as we go. And I'm going to come to other people who I thought were not jobs. It's just that's the process of learning and this stuff is really out there. We're kind of, and we as a human race are going through boundaries we've never been through before and we have a lot of work to do.
1: Very much so. Uh, The book's called The Invisible Brand. It's at all the usual places Amazon, Barnes and Noble. More about it, I encourage you to go to my website, which is simply my first initial name, W for William Ammerman, A M M E R M A N, dot com, WAMERMAN dot com. And and if you're really interested, uh, you can drop me a line through the website and uh, we can have a conversation about this.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to have you back as you dive into this more and you start to, you're going to be contacted by all sorts of people who are on the edge of trying to figure this out because this is a big deal this is this is a big deal in our time of what we need to do
1: well it's really a pleasure to be here and i appreciate you taking the time because this is something that's important and people do need to understand this and the times now
0: yeah well thank you so much Finally, I am able to offer Bill Andrews Amazing New Anti-Aging Dietary Supplement with TAM. I have been wanting this since I learned about its discovery approximately four years ago. At that time, it was not available as an oral supplement, but now Define Time with TAM is here. This amazing product counteracts and suppresses the fundamental cause of aging, telomere shortening. TAM improves biological health in skin, vessels, brain, and bone. Specifically, it works to lengthen telomeres in cells, leading to younger and healthier cells. Currently, Define Time with TAM is the most effective anti-aging compound available in the world today. Listeners will receive a 5% discount using code Sarah5. Be sure to use this every time you buy. It will also work in conjunction with other offers. See additional research and learn more with the link
1: below.